spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When you have come into the land of Canaan, which I give you as a possession, and I put the leprous excuse me, and I put the leprous plague in a house in the land of your possession. And he who owns the house comes and tells the priest, saying, It seems to me that there is some plague in the house. Then the priest shall command that they empty the house before the priest goes into it, to examine the plague, that all that is in the house may, may not be made unclean. And afterwards the priest shall go in to examine the house. And he shall examine the plague, and indeed, if the plague is on the walls of the house, with ingrained streaks, greenish or reddish, which appear to be deep in the wall, then the priest shall go out of the house, to the door of the house, and shut up the house seven days. And the priest shall come again on the seventh day, and look, and indeed, if the plague has spread on the walls of the house, then the priest shall command that they take away the stones in which is the plague, and they shall cast them into an unclean place outside the city. And he shall cause the house to be scraped inside, all around, and the dust that they scrape off, the, off they shall pour out in an unclean place outside the city. Then they shall take other stones and put them in the place of those stones, and he shall, and he shall take other mortar and plaster the house. <coughs> Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, as we gather before you on this Sabbath day, Lord, we thank you for a day of rest. Uh, more importantly, we thank you for a day that we devote to you, to worship you, to learn more of you. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to um, remove the thoughts of the cares of the world this day and focus on you pray that you would give Dan the words to speak, the discernment to, to highlight the things that are important here that you have to teach us. But we pray that we would examine ourselves as we consider these things, as we, we know we are not a sinless people. And as you talk about sin in your church, we pray, Lord, that we would, we would look at ourselves first to understand where we fall short of your perfect standard. What are the things that you would have us to do that would bring us into a closer obedience to you and that would bring more glory and honor to you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As we've been instructions <clears throat> that God has been giving in leprosy about leprosy in individuals, this picture of sin and how to deal with sin in the individual, and then He gave instruction on how to deal with leprosies in garment. It seems to be a, a picture of sins in our actions, things that maybe we're not deliberately trying to be sinful. But we, in attempting to do the right thing, we end up creating sin. Such as, you know, you start a food pantry to feed the poor, and then all of a sudden people stop working, and they just say, well, I can get food at the food pantry. Your intentions could be good, but it doesn't mean that 
that their results are good and you have to change that. You have to either burn the garment or you have to change the garment so it doesn't produce sin. So God talked to Moses and Aaron about how to deal with those kinds of sin, how to deal with leprosy in a garment. And then now we come to leprosy in a house. When we think of leprosy in a house, it seems to me that the most obvious spiritual example of what this looks like in the Bible is the leprosy that was in the temple. This is the picture that's in Ezekiel chapter 8, verses 6 through 12. Furthermore, he said to me, Son of man, do you see what they are doing? The great abominations that the house of Israel commits here to make me go far away from my sanctuary. Now turn again, you will see greater abominations. So he brought me to the door of the court, and when I looked, there was a hole in the wall. Then he said to me, Son of man, dig into the wall. And when I dug into the wall, there was a door, and he said to me, Go in and see the wicked abominations which they are doing there. So I went in and saw, and there every sort of creeping thing, abominable beasts, and all the idols of the house of Israel portrayed all around on the walls. And there stood before them seventy men of the elders of the house of Israel. And in their midst stood Jazaniah, the son of Shaphan. Each man had a censer in his hand, and a thick cloud of incense went up. Then he said to me, Son of man, have you seen what the elders of the house of Israel do in the dark? Every man in the room of his idols. For they say, The Lord does not see us. The Lord has forsaken the land. When we consider this this passage here that's talking about leprosy in the house, I think we should remember this is what God did. He He saw leprosy in the house. He sent all his prophets to warn them that there was leprosy in the house. And the leprosy continued to grow in the house, and so he tore the whole thing down and threw it outside the camp. This passage about that we see in the rest of chapter 14 of Leviticus, this is a description of what God did to Israel. That's what this is. You know, you see how God deals with them, how he sends the prophet, how he rips out part of the house when he removes the northern kingdom. But he still leaves the house. He just removes part of the house. And then he removes them to Babylon. He empties the house. And then finally, after they come back and the leprosy keeps growing, he destroys the house. So, well, that is a picture of what God did with Israel. When he found sin in the midst of Israel, we should not think that it just applies to Israel. Because you think it's, it's in the first or second generation of the church. And Jesus Christ is speaking to John and he says, look at the church in Laodicea. Look at the church of Ephesus. The church of Ephesus where, where Titus was. Right? I mean, there's, there's these churches that that you hear about and that they're talked about being faithful churches. And then all of a sudden he's looking and he's saying there's leprosy in these churches. There's leprosy in the walls. They have the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. They have Jezebel preaching and teaching. This is, this is what happens. And so as we read about these passages, we should recognize that, 
this is talking about the same thing that it's talking about in Revelation 2. You need to deal with leprosy in the church. You need to rip it out. And yes, that means you take stones and you cast them out of the camp. You have to do the work of replastering. Like what Christ tells John related to the church in Ephesus in Revelation 2, 4, and 5. Nevertheless, I have this against you that you left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you are fallen, have fallen. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. That's the same passage here. The owner of the house says there's leprosy in there. You either tear out the stones and you put new stones in and you plaster it up or you just let the leprosy grow and then he will tear down the house and he'll carry the whole thing outside. That's the summary of this week's passage in Revelation 2, 4, and 5. Well, of all of this part from verse 33 on in Leviticus 14. It's all summarized in that verse because... This is what we're supposed to recognize. This is what God does. And it gives us as priests the Most High God, as the priesthood of all believers, it gives us a real responsibility to not just say, oh, there's sin in the church, it doesn't matter, but to say there's sin in the church. We either remove the church or the sin, or God will remove the church. Either you return and do the first works, or else I'll come quickly and remove your lampstand. So while God promises that there is one church, that he will cleanse, he promises that in Ephesians, that he will wash his bride in the water of the word, that he will make her ready, it doesn't mean that there aren't local houses, that there aren't local congregations that he won't destroy along the way in terms of of making his bride ready. There's each one of those houses. He's not talking about the whole camp of Israel. He's not talking about the whole church. This passage is much more about local churches and how you deal with local churches. And now we also need to recognize local churches can just be houses of leprosy and we're supposed to recognize those are outside the camp. But this is about dealing with sin in the church. Which is, of course, interesting with the timing, with what what Jaquan and Tammy are going through, what, what Jeff is going through. We should recognize the relevance of the, the, how relevant this is to us. So verses 33 through 35. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, When you have come into the land of Canaan, which I give you as a possession, I put the lepro- and I put the leprous plague in a house in the land of your possessions. And he who owns the house comes and tells the priest, saying, It seems to me that there is some plague in the house. So it starts with the Lord speaking to Moses and Aaron. When, when God was speaking about how to deal with leprosy, leprosy in the people and leprosy in the garment, he spoke to Moses and Aaron. But then when he switched and talked about what to do with the, when a leper's healed, he just speaks to Moses. He doesn't speak to Moses and Aaron. Of course, once you're a leper, you're put outside of the church, so the state, the civil magistrate, still has jurisdiction over you, but the church doesn't have jurisdiction over you. So to bring you back in, somehow the the state needs to be involved. There has to be something outside the church. And so 
Aaron representing the priesthood, the healed leper was brought back first. And then the priests deal with it. So God just spoke to Moses about that. But now he's talking about things that are happening inside Israel. Things that the Levitical priesthood has authority over. And so because of that, although the civil magistrate was to be involved too, he's back to speaking to both Moses and Aaron. And then he says, when you come, or when you have come, these laws are for later. These are after they establish themselves, after they've started to conquer the kingdom. So the picture could be of the age where the church is spiritually now, right? God has said, I've established my kingdom. I I ascended to the Father and received all authority in heaven and earth. I received the kingdom like it talks about in Daniel 7. So because of that, this is a picture for us. Because just as as they were going to go and they were going to enter into the promised land and they were going to start conquering the kingdom. That's when God says, beware of the leprosy in the houses when you're conquering the kingdom. That's the church age. The church age is about conquering the kingdom of God. It's about causing the knowledge of the glory of the Lord to fill the earth as the heavens fill the sea. That's what we're here for. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And part of doing that is to deal with sin in the churches, to deal with sin in local bodies. So when you've come, when they, when they go in and each family has a, a, has a body to, or excuse me, has a house to dwell in, or you can look at the church where there's all these local, local churches, local houses of worship, that this is, this is what this is pointing to. That says into the land of Canaan. He could have used the term promised land. There's other terms that are used, but he doesn't. He uses Canaan because we're supposed to remember. They were supposed to remember when they go there. There's warnings over and over. When you go into the land, do not worship the idols that they do there. Kill them all. Destroy those seven tribes, the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Hittites and the Jebusites. You're just supposed to kill even the nursing infants. Because the, the sin that we will adopt from them is so great. And so we're supposed to remember, like they were supposed to remember, they're going into a land that is filled with leprosy. They should not be surprised to see leprosy in their churches. We live in a sinful world where there is much darkness. We shouldn't be surprised when we see darkness in the church. What it means is when we see darkness in the church... We need to deal with it. We are in the land of Canaan. We are not in the place where, where God says all corruption will be replaced with incorruption. That's not where we are. We're in the land of Canaan. We're still surrounded by sin. And with that, we should have an expectation that there will be times where sin comes into the church. So he uses the land of Canaan. Which remember at the time that he's speaking to Moses and Aaron, this is a place where their iniquity is about full that he promised to Abraham. That after 430 years, the judgment would come and that Canaan would be destroyed. And that, and this is the, the promise here, is you're going to be in the land that's filled with wickedness and filled with sin. So we have a duty to not let the church become like the house like the house of the Canaanites. 
a house where sin dominates. The sin around us is to be driven out of the church and not to be brought into the church. And he says, which I give you as a possession, just as the world has been given to the church as a possession. In Matthew 28, the Great Commission, that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to Christ. So we're supposed to go make disciples. We're to baptize. We're to teach the, the things that Christ has said so that they obey. He's given us the nations as our inheritance in him, which reinforces that we're not supposed to bring worldliness into the church. We're not to let the church become like the Canaanites. We're supposed to go in and we're supposed to take possession of the Canaanite lands, not just absorb their practices in. And we all know what the church looks like because we don't do a good job of dealing with this. How many churches are filled with the world? How many churches are filled with saying we should be just like the world rather than saying we should be changing the world? The Bible says we're supposed to change the world and the, the church says we should bring Canaan into the, into the church. Because, hey, people like sin, so it will be comfortable in the church. This passage is about how seriously God takes his church being holy, his church not being filled with the leprosy of the world. Then it says, and I put the leprous plague. He's very explicit. God is speaking to Moses and Aaron. He's saying, I send the leprous plague. Whenever we see sin in the church, we shouldn't just go, oh, this just, how did this happen? We should go, God has sent this. And I think God sends it for the same reason that he would put false prophets in the Old Testament. He sends it to see how we'll deal with it. Will we walk in faith or will we walk by sight? Because every time the church is challenged, when you find that, like even today, the church that we know of where the pastor was found, at least the the claim is, the accusation is, that he was found in serious sin. The police had to be called. And so what does the church do? Does the church actually deal with it or does the church just go, oh, well, I'm sure it'll be okay. And so God sends these things to churches. He causes them to happen. He's the one that sends the leprosy in the church. And and he's making this explicit. We can always go, he's sovereign over all things. He's in control of all things. Of course, he's the one that did it. But God is saying, no, I sent the leprosy. So when we see that person who's sitting in the church, when we see the heresy that's in the church, we should recognize this is from the hand of God. And he did it intentionally. And he did it with a purpose. So why would he put leprosy in his own church? Why would he put it in his own house? I think the answer is in Deuteronomy 13, 1 through 3. If there rises a prophet, rise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes to pass, of which he spoke to you, saying, Let us go after other gods which you have not known, and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of the prophet or to the dreamer, that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Some of the hardest things are to deal with sin in the church, where you've dealt with people, where you've been shepherded by people, where you've 
you've cared and have relationships with people and then you find them in sin, that's one of the hardest things to say, will I walk by faith or will I walk by sight? Because instead of saying, what does God say to do? A lot of people said, but he's been such a blessing to me. I've had so many conversations like this in my life that we need to recognize how easy it is to not deal with this the way God says to deal with it. And God says, I give you these minutes, these moments. I give you these times so that you can figure out, do you actually trust me or not? Do you actually just like the church, the comfort of the church? Do you actually just like the music and like the family and the community? Or do you actually want to serve God? And so he puts leprous plagues in his churches. This happens all the time. And it's a test. Will you obey God? Or will you do what you think is right? Will we deal with the sin? Will we care? Will we excommunicate? Will we put out those who should be put out? Or will we just say, oh, it's okay. Let's just plaster over it. Let's just cover the sin and pretend like it's not there. God puts sin into churches to see how we'll deal with the sin. You know, that charismatic person. You watch this. I was... I, I didn't realize it yesterday. I was watching this video, this you know, quote-unquote Christian video. And it was from Mark Driscoll. Mark Driscoll's out there again doing videos and trying to promote doctrine. And some of the things he was saying was fine. The words that I was listening to, I didn't realize who it was. And what he was saying was doctrinally sound. But understand, Mark Driscoll hates God. And he te- says all kinds of false doctrines. But he does it in a very winsome way. So that he'll have, he'll have a million people watching his videos because we don't care about leprosy in the house. Because we don't care. So we should recognize God raised up a man like Mark Driscoll who would have these outbursts of profanity in the middle of his sermons because he would have such passion for God. So everybody knew that he was false. But they liked the way he spoke, they, he's so charismatic, he attracts people. God sends these. God sends leprous plagues so we can figure out how we'll deal with it. Will we actually put out that false teaching that it doesn't seem like that big of a deal? It says so many good things. So what about the few things that he says that are wrong? That's not what God says. God says when you see the leprous plague, get rid of it. Remove it. Replace it with truth. Replace, replaster it. Fix your house. Don't just go, oh, but look at this. This house is so strong because of how strong these stones are. When I and I put a leprous plague in a house, again, these commandments don't take effect until they went into the land of Canaan and they began to have houses. So we should recognize this means more to us than it did to Moses and Aaron. It has more application now than it did to them. 
when God established his kingdom over all the earth and gave responsibility for it to the church, we now have a duty, a responsibility to deal with leprosy in the houses. That leprosy and that spiritual kingdom that God established. He's giving these commandments for the physical kingdom that Joshua was going to establish, which is just a picture of the spiritual kingdom that Christ established. The leprosy in our houses is far more significant than leprosy in their houses ever was. So in the land of your possession, it's in the land that they were going to possess. That's when this law took effect. But now it's all, it's in all the land, all the world, because we've been assigned to possess the whole world. We're supposed to take the gospel to the uttermost ends of the earth. And so when I, when God puts leprosy into a house, and he who owns the house, notice who has responsibility to make the plague known. It's not even the people in the house. It's not everybody's job to make it known. It's the owners of the house job. So when we think about applying this to churches, it means it's God's responsibility to make it known. It doesn't mean that we have to like go out and seek out and see if we can find sin anywhere. Now, when God wants to show sin, he'll make it known. It's the owner of the house's job. God does reveal sin in his churches. But understand, when he reveals sin in his churches, whoever he reveals it to now has the responsibility. If they're a Christian, they have the responsibility. The owner has told the priest. And so this is how we should think of it. We don't go and turn around and go, but wait a second, this other guy, he's more mature, he'll deal with it. No, when he shows it to you, the owner of the house has told a priest, there's leprosy in the house. It's your job to deal with it. Right, because he says he he who owns the house comes and tells the priest. So don't think it's the elder's job. Don't think it's, it's you know, the important people, quote unquote, in the church. The job he gives it to is the one he tells. That's whose job it is first. And it doesn't mean other priests don't have to help him. It doesn't mean other priests don't have to come alongside. But when God reveals to you sin in the church, you now have the job to deal with it if you're a priest, if you're actually a Christian. That's especially true in leadership. If the owner of the church has to tell, has to tell the the person he left in charge, then how do you deal with sin and the people that he leaves in charge? That's not who God says has responsibility. He says the one who has responsibility is the priest that he shows the sin to, the priest that knows about the leprosy. That's the one that has to do it. And the owner of the house says, it seems to me, the picture here is that the the declaration is not definitive. You see what what you believe God has revealed to you is serious sin in the church. 
you could be wrong. It's not definitive. The owner just says it seems that there's leprosy, that there's some plague in the house. So when we see sin, we don't immediately go, oh, this is a plague in the house. We do need to examine it. We do need to investigate. We need to do the work. We don't just say, well, God has showed this to me, so therefore I know it's true. Sometimes God just raises concerns so that we go and deal with the concern, and we might find out that the problem is us. That we're the one that thinks that what we see is heresy, and the truth is it's not heresy, it's reality, it's the true revelation of what God is, and we're wrong. So we just go, when we see it, and go, especially heresy, right? I mean, if it's adultery, if it's drunkenness, you go, it's drunkenness, it's adultery. It's not that you go, is this really leprosy? But especially with heresy, where you see something that you go, this is just doctrinally wrong. We don't just go, well, God has shown this to me, so I'm right. We go, we need to make sure we know who's right and who's wrong here through God's word. So it seems to me that there is some plague in the house. When we see problems in the church, we need to deal with them. Like the priest that's been told by the owner. It seems to me there's a problem in the church. There's leprosy in this house. That puts it in our court to actually deal with. Verses 36 through 38. Then the priest shall command that they empty the house before the priest goes into it to examine the plague, that all that is in the house may not be made unclean, and afterward the priest shall go in to examine the house. And he shall examine the plague, and indeed if the plague is on the walls of the house with ingrained streaks, greenish or reddish, which appear to be deep in the wall, then the priest shall go out of the house to the door of the house and shut up the house seven days. So then the priest shall command... When the owner informs the priest that there seems to be leprosy in the house, the priest now has real authority to make it known to the inhabitants of the house. He has the right to command. That doesn't mean that you can stir up trouble in the church in any whim of yours. But it does mean when the owner of the house declares that there seems to be leprosy, when there's sin in the church... When God reveals it to you through the exposure of information to you and through verification that it matches that with his word, that it is sin, that it is wrong, that it is heresy, then you have a real responsibility to deal with it and you have the authority to deal with it and the authority to make it known. Now, none of this is saying that you ignore what, what God also said, that it's, you know, don't entertain an accusation against an elder without two or three witnesses. It's not saying that this... This picture trumps didactic teaching. But what it does mean is it gives real responsibility and real rights to do things. Because God is saying, I've revealed this to you. You now have to deal with it. Which doesn't mean that you can just sit back and not do anything. But you do have to do things in accordance with the rest of God's word. But we should recognize, first of all, that we have authority to deal with sin when we see it in the church. Then they empty the house. The first thing that they do, if there might be leprosy in the house, or it seems to the owner of the house that there's leprosy in the house, then it's to clear the house so that the people are not made unclean by the leprosy. And so the leprosy can be examined. 
When we think of the spiritual parable parallels, I don't think that that means that when sin's found in the church that everybody's supposed to leave the church. That's obviously not what it says in Revelation 2 and 3. That's not the picture. Or Ephesus, the book of Ephesians, or the book of Colossians, or First and Second Corinthians, right? I mean, you can go through all the books in the New Testament, and the answer is that we found sin in the church, so we need to leave the church, or all the epistles. And so I don't think that, but I do think that picture of emptying the house is, I mean, there are some ramifications of that. Which is when there's suspected leprosy in the house, how do you get people to leave the house? You tell them that there's leprosy there. You don't hide the leprosy. So much of the church now goes, oh, there's leprosy in the house. Let's get out the paintbrush and paint it over so nobody sees it. That is not, that's not the parallel to everybody leave the house. Seems to me the parallel to everybody leaving the house is we see this, it looks serious, you need to know this is what's going on. And everybody in the house needs to understand this is what's going on. So many people in dealing with sin in the church, they try to hide as much as possible. They should be making it known. And, and if they find out that it's not sin, they should make that known too. The church is supposed to walk in the light. When there's sin in the church, the church has the right to know. Here's what we're dealing with. Now, it doesn't mean every little sin. It's the green and bread sins. But still, it does mean when there's serious sin in the church that, that could result in excommunication, the church has a responsibility to know, or the, the, the people have a responsibility to tell other people so the people in the church know what's going on. So often in churches, people are going, hey, I, I, something, it just seems tense here, it seems something's weird here. That is not how the church should behave. People should be willing to talk. People should be willing to say, we have real concerns here. We're dealing with it. We're looking into it. And the other thing is that we shouldn't bring more people into the house. When a church is dealing with serious sin, it shouldn't be trying to get other people to attend. It should be recommending that new believers go other places. It should be not looking to get new people to be involved. We don't want to defile anybody. When a church is having problems, the answer should be, no, we're not taking any new members. We need to make sure that we know where we are and that we're cleaning the house before we do anything like that. So they empty the house before the priest goes in. All the people are removed from the house before the priest makes a full examination of the leprosy. And again, remember, this is after the owner of the house already said he believes that it's leprous. So this is not against the will of the owner of the house because he's going to suffer the burden of having everybody move out about it. He already said, I see the leprosy and I think it's serious enough that the risk of having to tear down the house is worth it. Because that's where this can lead to, right? If it's not solved, he says, tear down the whole house. I think a lot of times we don't realize, and I've heard this from a lot of people in my life, Oh, well, I can't do that. That could disturb, the church could be destroyed. It could split. Everybody could be divided. And God going, yeah, exactly. Man goes, no, 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 that'd be terrible. And God goes, that'd be wonderful. We need to make sure we're on God's side. There are plenty of times when the church should simply be destroyed, that that's the best thing that could happen. 
You go through the process, you see if you can get the leprosy out, but if the leprosy is taken over the house, just destroy the house. And I think too often we, I mean, I've known probably 50 people at least have told me this in my life. Oh, I can't do that. That could actually hurt the church. No, 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 no. If God wants it to be destroyed, it should be destroyed. That's not hurting anything. That's serving God. So it's not against the will of the owner of the house that the whole house be torn down and all of it to be carried out. Right? Revelation 2. If you don't deal with this sin, even though you've got all these other things that are going great, if you don't deal with this sin, I'll tear it down completely. That's God's view. And we need to make sure we have the same view that God has. If the church isn't destroying the works of the devil, if instead the church is furthering the works of the devil, it's much better for it to be destroyed and carried outside the camp. So before the priest goes into it to examine the plague... So after the household understands that leprosy is, is suspected, then the plague's examined. And that all in the, that is in the house, everything in the house is to be removed because of the leprosy, because it can have an effect on anything. So that all of it, so none of it becomes unclean. You know, and when we talk about leprosy, right, the obvious picture is like mold in the house. And so we need to understand how easily you can take that mold and you can carry it someplace else. And so God's saying, get everything out of the house, protect everything, make sure that none of it becomes unclean. When the church just goes, oh, we're just going to hide these things and not really tell them, guess what? Things become unclean. And instead, you make it known and you clear out the house. You make it so that the leprosy can't spread. So everything has to be taken out of the house before the leprosy was dealt with to make sure it wasn't carried to another house. And especially when we think of the sin of heresy, I've, I've heard of this many times too, where somebody brings heresy into the church. And instead of dealing with the heresy, instead of saying, no, you're, you need to be excommunicated, you don't understand who God is, what much, most churches do is when a heretic comes is they just try to get rid of the heretic at best. A lot of times they just embrace him. But at best they just try to get rid of him and they let, send that leprosy to another house. God says you're supposed to control the leprosy. You don't get rid of the leprosy that way. You put it out. You put it outside the camp out, or outside the, the city into an unclean place. You're to make it known that it's unclean. And you don't just just get the leprosy, get the heresy out of your church. You try to deal with the heresy. Then afterwards, after everything is protected, after everybody knows how to protect themselves against the sin, that is when the sin is finally examined. Then the priest shall go in. The priest has to take the risk of being exposed to the sin in order to have the house be cleansed. To examine the house, he has to examine the details of what's going on, to know the parameters of the corruption, how far it's already spread. Whenever you do church discipline, this is, and it can be very, as an elder that's had to do this, with cases of adultery, it can, or adultery-related things, it can be very unseemly. But you have to deal with it. 
You have to go in and somebody has to look at the leprosy. Somebody has to understand what the leprosy looks like. This is the job of the priest. And yes, there are lots of times that elders can do this, but there's times where other people should be doing this too. Because it's, it depends on who the owner of the house showed it to. And said, look, priest, here's the leprosy. And he shall examine the plague. The word translated plague here is the same that was translated leprosy before. It comes from a word that means to, like a blow, like it's a mark from having been struck. <coughs> And so just because the owner of the house has said it seemed to be leprous, it doesn't mean it's truly leprosy in the house. There's a few things that are required before you go. This is actually leprosy in the house itself. In other words, when we think of sin in the church, there will always be sin in the church. It doesn't mean that you excommunicate. (coughs) Right? Somebody says a mean word to somebody, you don't excommunicate them for that. That's not leprosy in the house. Yes, that's sin. So when we think of this picture of leprosy, the sin has to rise to a certain level or descend to a certain level is probably a better way to put it based on the passage. It has to descend to a certain level before you go, yeah, we need to, this is worth tearing a hole in the wall to get rid of. So there's criteria that's required. And the first one is, and indeed, if the plague is in the walls of the house, first it needs to be in the walls of the house. The house is not leprous. It's a, if it was just something that was brought into the house, it could be wiped away. It has to, like, actually be in the substance of the house. Just because somebody comes into the church and teaches a false doctrine in the church, that doesn't make the church leprous. It only becomes leprous when... That false doctrine is accepted in the church and becomes part of the church. When the church actually absorbs the teaching, that's when all of a sudden the house is leprous. Just the fact that somebody you know, brought in some red mold, if it doesn't get inside the plaster, it doesn't matter. I mean, it matters, but it doesn't mean that you tear down the house or that you have to, to affect the person that, that heard the heresy. Then it has to have ingrained streaks. It's to not just be superficial. Again, it's not just that people have heard the false teaching, but they've absorbed the false teaching. The false teaching, in the example of heresy, the false teaching is that it, it starts to affect what the church is thinking about things. The wall itself is affected. The, the ingrained streaks, which really more literally means indentations, but it's like gotten into the wall itself. It's affecting the wall. The leprosy has to be more than just on the surface. It has to have worked itself into the wall itself. And then it has to be greenish or reddish. It's interesting to me that it must be greenish or reddish because when we think about physical leprosy in the house now, everybody talks about black mold. They don't talk about red mold. They don't talk about green mold. Everybody goes, oh, black mold. It's terrible. It's worth tearing down the house for black mold. Honestly, black mold is everywhere. And yeah, there's places where it's worse than other places, but there is no place where there is not black mold. Black mold is the picture of sin. There is no church that is without sin. It doesn't mean that just because 
every one of us is a sinner that's a member of this church. It doesn't mean just because you're a sinner that you should be ripped out and carried outside the camp. Black mold is everywhere. God doesn't say treat it as leprous if it's black mold. That's what America does. But God says that it has to be red or green. It has to be these things that are different, these things that aren't everywhere. It's when we see unusual sin. That's when we go, wait a second, this, this is different. That red and green are the same colors that were used to detect leprosy in a garment. And one thing is they're brighter colors. They can be seen. But it's also it's noticeable compared to the things around it. They're out of normal. So I think the parallels are like pretty, when it's serious sin, when it's serious enough to testify to the person that they're not saved, when it's serious enough to say this is a, a wrong view of who God is, this is not who God is, when it's real heresy and not just confusion, when it's red or green mold, not just black mold. And it, another criteria that has to be deep in the wall. It must not just be superficial. This is about whether you remove stones. It's about excommunication, that picture of excommunication. It can just be one person, but if it's one person or multiple person, it has to be deep in the wall. It has to be in the structure itself. (coughs) If it can be cleaned up without digging into the wall of the house then that's what should be done. There's plenty of times where, where, like in the example of heresy, where you hear a false teaching and, you, and the elders teach against that and just go, this isn't true. Let me tell you ten reasons why this isn't true. Nobody needs to be excommunicated for that if they go, I see your point. But it's when they go, no, forget it. Or when they go, behind the back and go, yeah, this is, this is what the elders saying the Bible said, but have you considered this? What about this? He would never do that. God would never do that. He would never tell you to rest one day out of seven. God is not a God who tells you what to do. Right? I remember that when we taught through the Sabbath at Hope. Is that, that was the response to a bunch of, of a bunch of people. They would never say it up front. They would always say it in the background. That's, that's <coughs> leprosy that's deep in the walls. There's other leprosy that can be cleansed really easily. It's the leprosy that's deep in the walls that's a problem. Then the priest shall go out of the house. It's just normal mold. If it can just be cleaned up, if it's not deep in the wall, then you just do those things. You just clean it up. You just fix the problem. But if it's deep in the wall, then you have to take further steps. And so you go out of the house to the door of the house, and so then you need to see if the leprosy is going to spread. And when we think of what God did with the prophets, he saw the serious sin, right? Isaiah, you know, Isaiah is the first prophet that, that writes extensively, right? And he goes, you've already been beaten. Everybody knows there's leprosy here. So this is the picture where Isaiah is going and he's going, I'm sealing up the house. I'm showing you what you are. Let's see if the leprosy spreads or not. And of course then, God destroys the northern kingdom, which shows that the leprosy spread. I think that's the picture. He sent the prophets to make sure that they knew 
when the sin was seen in Israel, when the owner of Israel said, there's sin here. He sent the prophets. He sent them as the priests going, we're shutting up this house to see what you'll do, to see if the leprosy will increase or not, see what the response will be. And they shut up the house for seven days. So when the leprosy, leprosy is seen, when everyone is told about it, it's isolated to see what will happen, to see whether it will spread. There's one thing right to go, here's a heretical teaching. And then you go, here's truth, and you see how many people continue to embrace the heretical teaching. If other people embrace the heretical teaching, you need to do something about the other people too. Verses 39 through 42. And the priest shall come again on the seventh day and look. And indeed, if the plague has spread on the walls of the house, then the priest shall command that they take away the stones in which is the plague. And they shall cast them into an unclean pit place outside the city. And he shall cause the house to be scraped inside all around. And the dust that they scrape off, they shall pour out in an unclean place outside the city. Then they shall take other stones and put them in the place of those stones, and he shall take other mortar and plaster the house. So after seven days, the priest shall come again. Again, it's after a fixed period, and when you look at the fixed period and the spiritual application, I'm not sure that it translates the same way to say that it has to be seven days exactly. But the seven days is a period where you don't just say immediately, oh, the leprosy's fixed, which is what frequently happens in churches oh the person confessed that they sinned and they've repented so we just rejoice that they've been restored no you shut them up for seven days you don't just go it's been fixed but at the same time it isn't this long interminable process either a week isn't that long and so it is this balance between going too quickly and going too slowly and and this is, this is hard in excommunication issues. This is hard when you find leprosy in the church to know what speed you should go at. And most churches go way, react more like the U.S. government where the U.S. government, when it wants to, to charge somebody with a crime, two, three, four years, that's not unusual. The church tends to lean not closer to that, but they go a lot longer than seven days. When we see leprosy in the church, we should be doing it expeditiously and dealing with it expeditiously. doesn't mean immediately, but it does mean expeditiously. So the priest shall come again on the seventh day. It's been shut up, not for an indefinite period, but for a known period. And at the end of that period, the priest has to come and deal with it again. So he comes and looks. He needs to look at the leprosy and compare it to what it was like when he examined it seven days before. And indeed, and this word is the same word that's usually translated like behold or lo. There's, there's an emphasis here is that you're supposed to like really look. You're supposed to be willing to see. You can always be tempted to go, oh, that's not, that, oh, the leprosy's fine. It hasn't spread. There's always a tendency to do that. And God is saying, if it's there, make sure you see it. Make sure you respond to it. You really have to look and see what state it's in. And if the plague has spread, if it has affected more of the house, it's not that it has to shrink, but it has to not spread. It must not have 
even even little wisps of things that have been been growing out of it. When somebody's caught in sin and their sin's declared, if they're unrepentant, we should have an expectation that it will spread. This has been my experience every time. They start slandering people, they start trying to divide, and they build a coalition that will support them. This is what always happens when you start talking about doing church discipline. The leprosy can't stay where it is. That's what it means to be a slave of sin. They, when, you, when you expose it, they flee for darkness. They, they want to do something. And this has been seen over and over again. So this is what we should expect, that they'll, they'll try to do something. So if we get in the case where we're trying to do church discipline, you should expect that you'll get a call that the person goes, everybody's being so unfair to me. This is what they always say. This is the picture of the leprosy spreading. When we think of the example of heresy, then when they're exposed as holding the heresy, they can repent, or they go out and they work to try to convince other people that they're right. And that's what it would look like when leprosy spreads. The leprosy of heresy is that other people, are, it's, it's trying to get other people to go along with the same thing. And that doesn't mean that you're not walking in the light and making the argument because the other people that are saying that it's heresy, they may be the ones that are wrong. But if they're trying to spread the heresy, then they need to be dealt with. So if the plague has spread on the walls of the house, if it can be seen, if it's affecting the rest of the house, if the scope of it's further than it used to be, which means that the priest was, again, supposed to examine it carefully before. He was supposed to remember what the parameters looked like, what it, how far it was, so that he can tell if it changed. He could understand if it's still spreading. If he sees that it's still spreading, then the priest shall command. Again, the priest has real authority. And the authority should be enforced by the civil magistrate because God is speaking to both Moses and Aaron. And he has real authority to say they take away the stones. And taking away the stones, I mean, it has to be a picture of excommunication. 1 Peter 2, 4 and 5 says, Coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The removal of those stones is the removal of dead stones from this living house, the spiritual house that has living stones. And that's supposed to be done through excommunication. It's not that they can't be restored, but they're removed so that they know they're in an unclean place. So you remove the stone in which the stones in which there is plague. The plagues and the stones themselves. Yes, it's in the mortar between the stones, but the first thing that you remove is the stones because the plague is coming from the stones. We should remember that. When there's sin in the church, it's coming from people. And so the stones need to be dealt with. doesn't mean that you don't deal with the mortar, but you first deal with the stones, the stones that are producing the leprosy. And they shall cast them. They're to be thrown down. They're to be put out of the clean place into an unclean place. 
They're to be put into a place where people understand that this, they're not part of a clean house. They're not part of the church. We have a real obligation to make sure people understand where they are. And not just the person that, that is the leper, or that, or that stone, the leprous stone. But you don't just go and put it in a different house. This is what the church does all the time now. It wants to excommunicate somebody, and then they go, and they go to a different church, and they go, well, at least it's not my problem. Well, that's not what God says. God says it is still your problem, because you're not being faithful. (coughs) So they're to be put in an unclean place outside the city. They're supposed to be seen as being outside of the people of God. In this picture, Israel is the visible church, the city that... It's that the people around that know, right? The, the visible church that knows it, they're supposed to know this person is not part of us anymore. This person has been put outside the city. And they shall cause the house, just, just putting the stones out is not enough because the stone affected the things around it. So he causes the house to be scraped on the inside. There's mortars between the stones. They'd typically be covered with plaster on top of that. So think of an adobe building where you see the, the red mold or green mold growing out of the wall. You remove the stones, although we don't do adobe with stones anymore. We do it with block. But you, you also make it smooth on the inside with whitewash, with plaster. <coughs> And so you dig through all that, you remove all that, you scrape all that out to make sure that you've gotten all the leprosy. When the sin is seen, real work needs to be done to make sure that the effects of sin are dealt with. Because they do have effects. Right, even after we, after Reformation was formed, after that split, we went back and we, we scraped the Constitution. We scraped the Covenant. That's this picture. We went back and we said, how has sin in that church that we were dealing with, how is it reflected in our documents? And that, that's the picture. That's what you have to do when you see sin like that, when you see problems like that. You have to say, what else has it affected? To make sure that it's all removed, that it's all scraped, that, that none of it is left there. You know, think of the example of heresy. We posted a podcast this week on dispensationalism. And most churches would reject the basis of dispensationalism. They'd say that's ridiculous, that it's absurd. But yet most of them hold to dispensational eschatology. So they reject the basis of the doctrine, but they don't reject the doctrine that came from it. That's the picture of not scraping the house. You remove the stone, you remove the big problem, you remove the part that was, that was producing this, but you still let the leprosy in the mortar. And that's, that's caused untold damage to the church, that we left the leprosy in the mortar. And that's, that's the picture of dispensationalism that we should see here in this passage. You can't just say, well, we remove the source. You have to say, we're also going to remove all the things that were affected from that source. We're going to actually go through and say, okay, so this doctrine was taught, this idea was taught, so what ideas have been affected by that idea? Because ideas connect to other ideas, and thoughts connect to other thoughts, and people start to believe things that 
that they shouldn't believe because the basis of those, the premises of those deductions were wrong. And so when you're dealing with heresy in a church, you have to also go, so what things are we doing that came from that? What, what flowed from those heresies that we now recognize as being heretical? It's important to scrape the walls. It's important that after the stones are removed to make sure that you've dealt with the other effects of sin. And it emphasizes it by saying all around, you do this everywhere, you have to go back and you have to say, so this leprosy that was in this, this, this heretic or this sin that he was, that, you know, say he was an adulterer. An adulterer in the church causes other people to go, oh, so it is okay to look at a woman that way. Maybe they don't commit adultery, but standards are reduced when there's sin in the church that hasn't been dealt with even when you don't know about it yet. And so when you know about it, you have to then turn around and go, okay, so we have accepted this sin unknowingly in the midst of the church. What's the attitude of the church now? What have we done with that sin? Remember 1 Corinthians 5, the man who has his father's wife, it caused the whole church to be puffed up. They needed to do more than just remove the man. They also had to scrape the church to get rid of them being puffed up. And all that dust that they scraped off, as they removed that plaster, they removed the effects that were coming from that stone. As they remove it, they have to take it, and they pour it out in an unclean place. It also, everybody needs to know, we're taking these things out because they came from sin. And we need to recognize that this is what happens, is they came from sin. And that sin will spread unless you make it known, unless you scrape it, unless you say, you know what, we've been doing this and we were doing it wrong. Because it was coming from this leprosy that we didn't recognize as leprosy. Now that we recognize it as leprosy, now that it's gotten to the point where it's obviously leprous, we need to make sure that we're dealing with the effects of that leprosy and declaring it to people by carrying it outside to an unclean place outside the city. Then it's very interesting in this last sentence because it it switches, it it uses plural, third person plural, and they shall take other stones. And so this is the picture that, I do think that the picture here is, don't be afraid to remove stones from the house. God's the one that builds the house. He can easily bring new stones. He can easily cause new stones to come in. It can always be, you know, you look at somebody, and especially this is a classic thing that happens where somebody is perceived as giving a lot of money to the church, so a different standard is held to them, just like in James 2. That happens in churches all the time where people go, oh, we can't say that to him. He's the biggest giver. If we did that to him, what would happen to the church? How would it survive? And the answer is, if it's God's church, he'll bring other stones. You don't need to worry about the stones. Remove the leprous stones. God can always supply stones. And so they shall take other stones and put them in the place of those stones. If it's God's church, if he wants to preserve the church, he'll bring other people. Right? The promise of 1 Corinthians 12 is that every church has everything that it needs. 
He gives the gifts according to the needs of the church. If the church needs a hand, he'll supply a hand. Don't worry about removing bad stones and go, well, how will this, how will this building stay up if this stone is removed? Instead, you go, well, if the stone's removed and the whole thing's leprous, God will tear it down and he'll remove it all outside the camp. If you've removed the stone and it's not leprous, don't worry, God will, God will fix it. The owner of the house will bring new stones. And then it says, he shall take other mortar and plaster the house. So the one is, they shall bring the stones, but then he'll plaster the house. And the he here, the antecedent for the he is the priest. So the person who saw the error, say, let's think about it specifically in terms of, the, of heresy. The person who sees heresy in the church, that's spreading in the church, he's the one that has the obligation to make sure that the truth is understood. Because other people didn't see the heresy. Other people didn't see the error. So that priest has more than an obligation to just say, hey, we need to deal with this, this heresy. They have an obligation to go, here's what the truth is. They have, have an obligation to replaster the wall with good plaster and not just say, let's remove what's bad, but say, here's what's good. Let me give you a few applications. Okay, a few might be the ones. Let me give you some applications. First application is people think that not dealing with sin protects the church. You have to understand it's the opposite. Not dealing with sin destroys the church. It's always easy to think, oh, let's just have peace rather than a battle. But that's always just peace with men, not peace with God. <coughs> Because God will still judge. He will deal with leprosy in his church. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says, Therefore purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. What God will do is he will either remove the leprosy or he will tear down the building. He doesn't doesn't leave it there. He doesn't just go, oh, you can have that leprosy in the building and don't worry about it. Now, he says you are an unleavened lump. He will make his local churches pure, either by making them not be churches, removing his lampstand, to use the language from Revelation 2, or the church will deal with the leprosy in the church. Another application, all the challenges that arise because of sin in the church, we should recognize that they're all directed by God. And they're all directed by God for the good of the invisible church. Because he is cleansing his bride. He is cleansing those who are truly saved. And so he brings sin into churches. He brings leprosy into churches. He brings these heresies. He brings all these problems into churches. We should recognize they're all sent by God. He's the one that puts leprosy in the house. So many times people argue that sin in the church should be hidden, that it should not be dealt with, or it should be dealt with in the dark. But when you think of God as being the one who goes, I want sin to be there, it's not so it can be hidden. He has a purpose for the sin, and you're supposed to deal with it, because if you don't deal with it, God will judge you. 
So when you think of God putting sin in the church, it makes it a lot more important to deal with it in accordance with his commandments because it didn't arise suddenly. It arise deliberately by God for the good of his church. And God has always tested his people to see if they'll do the right thing. He tests the faithfulness of churches by putting sin in the midst of them. And so the issue usually comes to, will they treat sin as seriously as God commands? Will they be willing to dig out a section of the wall? Will they be willing to remove stones so that the leprosy doesn't spread in the church? Or do they care more about their relationships with people than they do about their relationship with God? Do they care more about their comfort and their, their continuing things as they have been? Or do they care about the holiness of the bride of Christ? That's usually the trade-off. And the temptation to be satisfied with just hiding things and just ignoring it so we can be comfortable. We should recognize that each of us have that temptation. And that's why God sends the test. Will you overcome that temptation? Or will you let the leprosy stay in the church? Another application, never think when sin is revealed to you that is happening in the church that somebody else will deal with it. Since God is sovereign, since he picked you, if you are a believer, if you are a member of the church, you're the one who now has responsibility. He never makes a mistake in who he shows it to. God is not wrong. He knows what he's doing. He appointed a priest that now has a responsibility to deal with the sin. He might have picked you because he wants to grow your faith. He might have picked you to test you to see if you will walk in faithfulness or if you'll walk by sight. We don't know the reason, but we do know when God reveals sin to you in the church, you're the one. You're the one, you're the priest that the owner spoke to. And that means you have to deal with it. Another application, prophets have the authority to deal with sin. When we think of Old Testament prophets, when we read them, how often do you say, how dare Isaiah say those things? He should let the leaders of the church, he should let the high priest say, this is what's wrong with the church. We don't say that because we recognize the authority of the prophets in the Old Testament. How they had a duty to declare it to Israel. And even to other nations in other cases. But typically, and like Isaiah, as they prophesy against other nations, they're really prophesying to Judah and Jerusalem. And we shouldn't think those Old Testament prophets are any different than New Testament prophets. When a Christian sees sin in a church, never think you don't have the authority to say anything. Prophets have authority. And it says in Acts 2 that in the New Covenant, all Christ's All God's sons and daughters, they're all prophets. They all have been given the authority. They're all kings. They're all priests. You can never say, I don't have the authority to do anything about it because that is blatantly false from Scripture. If God tells you, you now have the responsibility to deal with it. You made a profession of faith and God opens your eyes to sin. It is now your responsibility to deal with the sin. God has given, through Christ, 
the authority to deal with sin. And of course, the way we have to deal with sin is in line with his commandments. This is not saying that you can ignore things, that you can ignore the rules of evidence, and you can ignore what it says about it requires two or three witnesses. You can't ignore these things, but it means that you have the authority to go and declare them. You have the authority to act like a prophet. You have the authority to deal with sin, just like the prophets in the Old Testament did. Another application, we can give more valuable value to the local church than God does. We need to value the local church the way God values it. It's easy because of relationships, because of comfort, because of all kinds of reasons that we can be tempted to overlook sin in the church. Because otherwise, maybe the church will blow up. Maybe it will go away. We wouldn't want that. And the answer is, we should value it the way God values it. And if God thinks the church should blow up, we should value it as something that should be blown up. When the owner of the church reveals leprosy, and as leprosy spreads, it's a sign that God wants that church to be destroyed. We think, you know, I've talked, again, I've talked to people that they go, oh, yeah, well, at least the church, it divided, but that's, that's great. Now there's two churches. It's like, no, that's not great. Churches should be destroyed. Having bad churches is not a blessing. It is a curse. Churches should be blown up. They should be destroyed. And obviously, I don't mean physically blown up. But spiritually, we're supposed to do the work to blow them up. It's a great blessing because then, you know, I've been at churches that should have been blown up and all of a sudden you go back and you find out that all those people that thought they were so right with God, they're now all worldly and they're wandering, they're completely absorbed by the world. And you did a great blessing to them because they thought they were going to heaven and now they go, they're going to hell. That is a great blessing to them. It is not a blessing to keep a dead church, to pretend like it's a church of Jesus Christ. Value the church as the local church as God does. Each body, if it won't deal with sin, Christ came to destroy the works of the devil. If the church will not deal with sin, it should be torn down stone by stone and carried outside the camp. Another application, we're not to treat sin lightly. Everything had to be taken out of the house. Because because leprosy could have a negative effect on any of the things in the house. Everything had to be taken out. Everything had to be scraped. There's these pictures. We need to recognize that when we've had sin among us, you actually have to say, how did it affect things? Because its effect was broad, not narrow. That's how we need to treat sin. That's how we need to treat our own lives. When you realize that you believe something wrong from Scripture and God confronts you in Scripture and you go, wait a second, I've been doing this. Don't just go, oh, I've, I've repented of that now. You should go, well, how else has that made me think of other things that are wrong? And that's the same way that we do with things in the church. So that person who was sinning and he was teaching this false things, how much did that affect other things? Where do we see the leprosy? Or even his behavior? What other people did who saw what he was doing and said, well, that's a man of God. That must be okay. 
We need to recognize how, how easily sin spreads and how zealous God is about, you know, scour the pot, scrape the walls, deal with the sin. We should never think that our sin doesn't affect others. Uncleanness is very contagious. Another application, when we deal with sin, it's common to deal with it too quickly or too slowly. Not allowing due process by rushing to judgment, that's sin. You don't allow time to see if it will spread, to see what they're like, that's sin. But being too slow and not wanting to deal with it, to let it drag on, which gives it an opportunity to have greater effects and to spread further, that's, that's not right either. In Micah 6.8, it says that the duty of man is to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before God. Time is a serious element of justice. You cannot separate time from justice. If it's too fast, it's unjust. If it's too slow, it's unjust. Justice is very time-sensitive. Right? There's an old saying, justice delayed is justice denied. To be just, it has to be the right period of time. And we should not think that that's any different in the church than it is anyplace else. You have to make sure that you're walking that balance to not be too slow and to not be too fast. Time is very related to justice. Another application, excommunication is about protecting the church. Protecting it from sin because sin spreads. When you say something is acceptable, instead of the church doing what it should do to constrain sin, it puts itself in the position of saying that sin is acceptable and that it causes that sin to grow. What is worthy of excommunication is the same as saying the level of holiness that the Holy Spirit can tolerate and still abide in a believer. That's how we should think about it. Could the Holy Spirit be there and accept that behavior? Because if you say they're a Christian, that's what you're saying. Excommunication is about protecting the church, and we need to be willing to excommunicate. We need to be willing to put people out. Because so much damage is done by heresy, so much damage is done by accepting sin. We need to recognize how much that that destroys the church. That's what happened to Israel. Let's make sure it doesn't happen here. Another application. Most churches aren't that worried about excommunication by other churches. And a lot of that is because a lot of it's done wrongly. But excommunication is not just about being put out of of a local church. It's not taking a stone and moving it to the house next door, which is what happens in excommunication so frequently. It's being put out of the visible church. So when somebody comes who is excommunicated, the default has to be they were put out of the visible church until it can be proven that the problem was with the church. The excommunication, the excommunicated should be, have a presumption of guilt since a real court has judged. It's a really serious thing to say that that judgment of that court was unjust. And the last application. Sin in the church that requires excommunication always has other effects. 
Think of 1 Corinthians 5 where the man had his father's wife and so the whole church was impacted by the sin so that they all became puffed up. Whenever the church deals with sin, it always needs to deal with how that sin affected others in the church. The ideas that have been accepted, the, the, the heresies that have touched other heresies, all these things work together. Sin is like leaven, and it spreads in all kinds of ways. So when you remove it, you know, if you took leaven and you hid it in the middle of a lump, and then you just took out that spot that you hid the leaven in, it still will spread through the lump. You need to deal with more than that. That's the picture of sin in the church. You need to deal with more than the, the sin that was introduced. You need to say, so how did this affect other people? How did this cause other people other people to think things are acceptable that are not acceptable. Picture dispensationalism. How did dispensational, dispensationalism lead to dispensational eschatology? Because nobody cared that you remove that, where that leaven was hid, but you don't care about where that spread. That's not what the church needs to do with sin. We need to recognize the perniciousness of sin. We need to recognize the, the zeal for sin to spread. With that, let me close in prayer. Oh, Lord God, we do thank you for where you have us. We thank you for the, the things that are going on around us. We thank you for the applications this, this has right now to us. But we also recognize, Lord, that you, you have appointed this day for us to be prepared for the future. Because sin does arise. Things do need to be dealt with. Lord, help us to have the same heart and the same mind and the same understanding to deal with them the way that you would have us to deal with it. Your church is supposed to be the city set on the hill, the the bright light that shines forth to the nation. We recognize the church in America isn't doing that. We recognize the church in America isn't doing that because it doesn't care much about leprosy in its own midst. Lord, help us to deal with the things that that we know of. Help us to deal with the, the, the things that you have given into our authority to do.